Go ahead and grab that outline. Again, today we're commemorating a great event, the presentation of the Augsburg Confession. And this is so important to us here at Trinity. And, and here's why. Our vision, our identity is sort of wrapped up and summarized in these words at the very top of your outline. It guides our life together. So if you'd follow along, it says, Trinity Lutheran Church is an evangelical and Catholic community founded on the principles of the Lutheran Reformation confessed in the Augsburg Confession, 1530. It's a big deal to us. If you go out and look at our cornerstone, the 2016 cornerstone, you'll see the letters UAC, which stands for Unaltered Augsburg Confession. All right, so what is this thing, this Augsburg Confession, a document that's almost 500 years old, and why is it so important to us? Well, that's what I want to talk about this morning. So first of all, just a little bit of history. If you remember last fall, we commemorated the 500th anniversary of the Lutheran Reformation, October 31st, 1517, that famous moment when Luther nails the 95 theses to the castle church door in Wittenberg. Those 95 statements talked about things like purgatory and indulgences and the power of the Pope, and it sparks the Reformation. In Germany, Luther is an instant hero, but to the powers that be, especially in Rome, he's a heretical menace. Within a few years, by 1521, he's excommunicated and he's outlawed. And yet this Reformation message and movement couldn't be stopped. It keeps spreading. Eventually, though, there are sort of two lines that are drawn. The evangelicals on one side, later called the Lutherans, and then those on the other side who were loyal to the Pope. Charles V, who was the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire, which would be like modern Germany today, that sort of that region of Europe, He had a real mess on his hands. He himself was a loyal Roman Catholic. He could not stand Luther or any of these reformers. He constantly demanded obedience from the Lutheran territories, but he could never enforce it. And the problem he had, not only with the division in his empire, was that he had a bigger problem than that, and that was that the Turks, the Muslims, were pushing up into Europe from modern-day Turkey, up into Europe, and by 1529, they are outside of Vienna. What Charles has to do, he's got to get his empire together, and he's got to get both sides, evangelicals and Roman Catholics, together in order to fight this menace, the Muslims. So he calls the Diet of Augsburg in 1530, not a food diet, a meeting, a diet like that. There, the evangelicals and the Roman Catholics were asked to present what they were teaching and to present both sides, and supposedly there was going to be this discussion that took place. And so that's when we presented and and brought forward the Augsburg Confession, this document that has 21 articles on doctrine and then seven articles on reforms or abuses that were corrected. My personal favorite is the one that says something about priests can marry. I'm really in favor of that one. And so, in, on June 25th, 1530, this document is presented publicly. It's read out loud in German so people could hear it and understand it. But unfortunately, while there was a little bit of discussion that took place between the two sides, in the end, the evangelicals, the Lutherans, were basically told They had to give up their confession, and they just needed to conform. That's how it was handled. Well, they refused. And to this day, then, the Augsburg Confession defines what it means to be an evangelical Catholic, or as we say, Lutherans. 
So I'd like to share with you now in four words why this is so important to us. What is this Augsburg Confession about? They all start with the letter C. You can fill them in on your outline if you like. Number one, the first one, is its content. The content of the Augsburg Confession is evangelical. That's why we say we're evangelical, which means the good news, if you want to put that down, the gospel. I had a chance last week to listen to the president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, Pastor Matt Harrison, speak at our Indiana district. He said something in his many comments that I thought was really fascinating. He said, you know, if you look at the Augsburg Confession and the entire Lutheran Confessions, the Book of Concord, he said you can summarize them with this, that they comfort consciences with Christ. That's the content of the Augsburg Confession and the Lutheran Confessions. I like that. It says it so well. And this is something we all need. Now, many of us grew up and we know the good news and we know the gospel, and yet our minds still can play tricks on us. Our consciences can be troubled at times. Everyone asks, in the end, do I have God's approval? Am I okay in God's eyes? And the the mistake that we often make is we turn to ourselves. And a lot of people answer that question, well, I'm a pretty good person, better than most. And we try to convince ourselves that we're good enough or we've done enough, whether it's to get to heaven or to win God's approval or to to win his love. By the way, anytime you have to do something to get somebody to love you, then that's not love, is it? But this is the mistake that we make. This is where, well, we... It all begins to backfire on us. This doesn't comfort us at all. Or as Admiral Akbar would say in Star Wars, it's a trap, it's a trap, turn around. Because the mess that I make in my life is oftentimes much more than the right that I do or the good that I do in my life. And if I'm constantly turning myself and saying, is it enough? I don't think so. It traps me, fills me with fear. There's no comfort there. The Augsburg Confession, the content is to comfort our consciences with Christ. Follow along with me on the outline. I've got a few quotes I just want to walk you through here. Articles 4, 5, and 6. It's taught that we cannot obtain forgiveness of sin and righteousness before God through our merit, work, or satisfactions, but that we receive forgiveness of sin and become righteous before God out of grace for Christ's sake through faith when we believe that Christ has suffered for us and that for his sake our sin is forgiven and eternal life is given to us. That's the good news. To obtain such faith, God instituted the office of preaching, giving the gospel and the sacraments. He's talking about the holy ministry there. Through these, as through means, he gives the Holy Spirit who produces faith where and when he wills in those who hear the gospel. It teaches that we have a gracious God, not through our merit, but through Christ's merit when we so believe. If you flip it over, Article 6, it's also taught that such faith should yield good fruit and good works, and that a person must do such good works as God has commanded for God's sake. But not place trust in them as if thereby to earn grace before God. This whole year together here at Trinity, we've called it the year of faith, and here is why. It's all gift. Did you hear it? Gift, gift, receive, receive. It's all gift from God. It's not what we do. Faith is like 
an open hand before God, and he just keeps putting the gifts into our hands. I'm not enough. I can never do enough, but Christ has done it all for me. Every sin, every mistake, every failure, every mess that I made, I know it's forgiven on that cross. And if you're sitting there saying, yeah, I know that, Pastor. I've heard that. I believe that. That's because you're a Lutheran. This is our great heritage. You've heard this message. Praise God, but others haven't. And even if you have heard it, I know many a good Lutheran or a Christian, doesn't matter, who's on their deathbed, and as they're reviewing their life and they're going through all the mistakes they made and all the regrets that they have, their conscience is terrified. And what a joy it is when I have that chance to do ministry and come to them and say, Jesus, 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 he has done it all. I always teach the confirmation kids, do not get to heaven and stand at the gates and tell God, let me in because I did a good job. Stand at those gates and say, it's all Jesus. I just cling to Jesus. That's the content of the Augsburg Confession that comforts our consciences. Number two, the Augsburg Confession is Catholic. We say that we are evangelical and Catholic. Now, we do not say that we are Roman Catholic because we are not under the authority of the Pope, the Bishop of Rome. But Catholic is a bigger word than Roman Catholic. And literally it means, if you want to write this in, according to the whole, W-H-O-L-E, according to the whole. It means that we are in alignment with what Christians have taught and practiced going all the way back to the apostles. Now, we're not trying to live in the past, but we are trying to live consistently with our past. So on things like moral issues in our society, like abortion, or homosexuality. We don't change our teaching because of the social pressures on us. But some churches have, haven't they? Or in our doctrines, we don't try to re-image or rename Jesus or the Holy Trinity. Instead of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let's call the Trinity Mother and Redeemer and Lover or something like that because it's politically correct. No! We don't mess around with what's been handed down to us. We We keep confessing it. And we don't chase down the latest trend in Christianity. I mean, Christianity in America likes to be really trendy and, you know, sort of stay with the times. We don't chase that stuff down because those things all go as quickly as they came. Instead, what we do is we anchor our life in the Holy Eucharist, in the Holy Word of God, and in His sacraments because these are those means of grace. Article 6 that can, or Article 5, rather, that continue to deliver Jesus to us week after week after week. If this homily is awful, you're still going to get Jesus in the Eucharist, in the Word. Always. We, we use a centuries-old liturgy that delivers this Jesus to us and is rich with symbolism and beauty and ritual that forms and shapes our lives. What we pray here teaches us how to live. We are Catholics according to the whole. We have inherited an unchanging faith. In this crazy, changing, constantly changing world of ours, how many things do you have that you can just hold on to and you know it's never going to change? Not a lot. But that is our Catholic faith. Right before the Diet of Augsburg began, 
the Roman Catholic theologian and really probably the arch nemesis of Martin Luther, a guy named Johannes Eck, published a work named The 404 Propositions. And what he did is he wanted to discredit the Lutherans. So he lumped them in together, some of their sayings, with a bunch of sayings of all the other wackadoos that were running around in that day and some of the heretics who were doing things like denying the Holy Trinity because he wanted to discredit the Lutherans, make them look crazy. So when the Augsburg Confession is written by Philip Melanchthon, he goes to great lengths to set the record straight that our faith is historically consistent and thoroughly Catholic. He quotes the early church fathers constantly. And at the very end, in the conclusion, he says this, and it's there on your outline. Nothing has here been said or related to insult anyone. Only those things have been recounted which seem to need saying. This was done in order that it may be understood that nothing has been accepted among us in teaching or ceremonies that is contrary to Scripture or the Catholic Church. For it is manifest that we have most diligently been on guard so that no new or ungodly doctrines creep into our churches. Now at the very beginning in the preface, it says this, We are quite willing to discuss with them, the other side, and their associates, as far as this can be done in fairness, such practical and equitable ways as much as may unite us. Thus, the matters at issue between the parties may be presented in writing on both sides. They may be negotiated charitably and amicably. And these same differences may be so explained as to unite us in one true religion, since we are all enlisted under one Christ and should confess Christ. And that's point number three. The Augsburg Confession is conciliatory. This is the tone now of its presentation. The Reformers wanted peace. They wanted reconciliation. They wanted the unity of the church. It was never a goal to say, let's go start our own church, but instead to reform from within the church. But see, that takes that dialogue and that brotherly, loving conversation that they thought they were going to have, but it really never took place. And so now for over 500 years, Christians have been divided. Okay, so what does that mean for us? You know, as we commemorated the 500th anniversary last fall, one of the things that we did and the many things that we did is that we built a relationship with a local Catholic parish, St. Pius X down the road. And why did we do this? So a lot of people ask that question. It's a fair question. Because this is what we believe, friends. This is the tone of the Augsburg Confession, to be conciliatory. That's what we want to do. That's who we want to be as a congregation that's shaped by the Augsburg Confession. Now, we can't fix the whole Christian church, but at a local level. So we started this this local-level relationship, and the Holy Spirit blessed it, and it was fruitful. And just because the 500th anniversary is over, we'd like to not stop that relationship. In fact, we'd like to grow it, and here's how. Not only can we continue to grow in our understanding as Lutherans and Catholics, but are there ways that we could serve our community together as Christian brothers and sisters? Are there ways that we could give a common witness to this community rather than a divided witness? Just think about these dark times in which we live. You think about things like the dignity of life or the value of the family. 
There is far more that unites us with our Catholic brothers and sisters than divides us. And on these things, above all, we are in unity, so together we can speak into our community. So, that brings me to point number four. Speaking of these dark times, courage. The final word that I think defines the Augsburg Confession is its courage. Going back to the Diet of Augsburg for a moment, before the Augsburg Confession was presented, Emperor Charles met privately with all the Lutheran princes, and he ordered them, and he forbade them from from allowing any Lutheran teaching during the Diet of Augsburg. But one of those Lutheran princes, his name was George, the Margrave of Brandenburg, it's quite a title, he refused to concede to Charles' demands. And he boldly said to his face these words, this is a quote, Before I let anyone take from me the word of God and ask me to deny my God, I will kneel and let them strike off my head. Wow. Courage. Willing to give up everything. It took Charles V back. He didn't know what to do with that. I don't know, friends, what the years ahead of us bring for us and for our children and for our grandchildren. And I don't want to be sensationalist, but I'll just ask you rhetorically, do you think things in the years ahead are going to get better for us as Christians? I don't. In a culture like ours that prides itself in being tolerant, ironically, it has grown increasingly intolerant, hasn't it, towards us as Christians and what we believe. I don't have any doubt, friends, our Christian faith is going to cost us. But we've kind of gotten used to in this country, as Americans, a lot of affluence as Christians and a lot of social and political influence. Those days, if they're not gone already, are quite limited. Are we willing to let go of that in order to confess Jesus? Or would we rather stay comfortable and safe in our lifestyle as Americans? And you heard Jesus say in the gospel today, as he calls us to confess his name, that we have got to be ready to suffer. We've got to be ready for that. And yet he constantly told us, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of this. This is all temporary. None of it will ultimately matter. But we must be ready to suffer. Are we ready to suffer for his name? To confess, the word confess literally means to say the same thing. It means to say the same thing as God says. This is not about our opinions or our views on this or that or on politics. No. Will we say the same thing that God says in his holy word? Look what they did to him for saying it. Are we ready to follow? I am convinced, friends, that courage, greater courage, will be required of us. The word courage at its root has from Latin the word core, C-O-R, and it means heart. Do we have heart? Brave heart. Are we so firmly convinced of God's truth? Are we so in love with Jesus that we would be willing to pay any cost even if they would strike off our heads rather than lose Jesus. The reformers had that courage. 
The early church martyrs had that courage. There are Christians throughout the world today who have that courage. Do we have that courage? We must ask, friends, for the Holy Spirit to work that courage in us so that we would confess Jesus and people would see in us and what we do and they would hear from us this comforting word of the gospel that comforts consciences. That song that Laura played for us at the very beginning, we're going to be singing it in just a moment in the offertory. It is that beautiful prayer to the Holy Spirit. As you think about and you ponder this right now in your own heart, and when we pray that, I want you to just please listen closely and as you sing, pray the words of that song that the Spirit would work this courage in us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.